today's episode of Little Pod That Could. Hello, everyone. Sorry about that. Uh, my guest is Mike Richardson. He is, uh, like we talk about, kind of hard to explain what he does because he's he has a really varied skill set and does a bunch of stuff really well, works with lots of different companies. So um, we talk about marketing, some business strategy stuff. He tells me my podcast is has no value proposition, which if you're listening to this, thank you, because that means you are listening even though there's no reason to. Um, and yeah, then we also segue at the end into kind of talking about coronavirus and uh, the George Floyd stuff that's going on right now. So um, anyway, which you're probably sick of hearing, um, but I thought his thoughts on sort of how fractured the government is mixed with some of, I don't know, I don't know if I had anything that was valuable, but I really enjoyed the conversation, and I think there was a lot of stuff he was talking about that I was like, man, I need to take some time to kind of process all of this and think through some of this stuff and how I'm approaching my businesses. And so anyway, uh, really good stuff. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right, welcome to Little Pod That Could. My guest today is Mike Richardson. Do you go by Mike or Michael? Mike. Okay, all right, cool. And you are, we were just talking, you were, you were in Massachusetts. Sadly, yes. Yes, and that's not, now you're originally from like Montana or something, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's where I grew up. Okay, and so you like that area, Pacific Northwest, but you ended up landing on the East Coast for family reasons and you're not as big a fan of the East Coast. Correct. <laughs> what is it about the East Coast you don't like? Well, one, it's crowded and ugly. Yes. Um, that's a huge part of it. The people um, suck, I guess, to put it a, as <laughs> but, not, not like all of them, obviously, like not all people, you know what I mean? Um, but it's just like, like, I remember the first time that I moved here, like probably for like the first six months, like I, I really thought I was going to get in a fight every single day. Because it's like, I tell people it's like this, like the East Coast, they they start out with being assholes. And then when you push back, they go, oh, cool. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Whereas on the West Coast, like they're nice to you until they you give them a reason to be mean. And it's mm. the total opposite here. Um, and so it's, and then also just because like I'm wildly freedom, I hate the government type of a person. Mm -hmm. And like Massachusetts, like America was born here. Like, yeah. this is where people went, hey, see those people in red? Let's just murder all of them and start our own thing. Yeah. Like, that was that was here. And now they're the biggest fucking nanny state. Oh, can I swear on yeah, this? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Like, now it's like the biggest just nanny state. Fuck all. I just, I don't know. It, it makes me really disappointed. <laughs> okay. All right. So do you see yourself ever being able to get out of there? Or do you think you're stuck there? Well, I mean, we have a kid. Right. So... Yeah, twenty thirty seven. I can leave. Okay. <laughs> All right. All I right. have it on my my calendar on my phone. Now it's interesting because the weird thing is like you're strapped into this location, but your job would allow you to work. I mean, you were. I mean, I kind of met you when you were in your Newburgh phase, and we trained together a couple times, and then you know, you were just like this wanderer all over the place. So the weird thing mm -hmm. is your job would allow you to work wherever you want, but now you're kind of stuck in this spot that you don't necessarily love. Yeah. Um, and it's still, still mostly like that. Like I, you know, I freelance with companies all over the country and then some in Europe. And so it's like, I don't, you know, I don't go to an office or 
that kind of a thing. So, um, but coming from like, you know, I rode my bike around the Western US and I lived in a van for a year and, mm-hmm. you know, I've been all over and then sort of settling into the, the domestic house cat life is a little hard, but. Yeah. Can we back up to, I mean, you just mentioned like three things that are like, wow, super interesting. So I remember when I met you, I was like, how does this guy make money? Like, what is his <laughs> job? You're like, what does he do? And then you like, I saw you made some videos for Dewey that were really cool. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, well, but does he like work for a company or like, does like, do people just like hit him up on Craigslist and then pay him? To, I'm like, how, what's happening? So can you kind of explain like where, like, like the origin story first? Like, where are you, how did you get here basically? Like professionally? Mm, yes and no. Like, I mean, like, how did you, like, you grew up in Montana. Did you decide early on that you were into photography and videography and all that stuff? Or were you creative? Did you fit in mm, in high school? Yeah. Like, how did all of that stuff? Well, high school, uh, no. I mean, I had, like, I've always been kind of the person, though, that I, I've always had, like, a handful of very close friends and then, but not a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been sort of, um, a little antisocial and just kind of a hermit a little bit. And then for the most part, everyone that I know is an acquaintance and then a few of them are friends kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, I was always very into like creativity and writing. Like I, um, like probably more than anything, I identify as a writer. Hmm. Um, nobody sees that, but like literally everything I do, whether it's a, a video or a photo or anything, it begins with a concept that I write out. Um, interesting. So you write everything, even for photography, you're writing. Yeah. What's the concept of this photo? How does that work? Uh, kind of depends on the project. So okay. I usually, um, like, um, well, here's like an easy one. Like, so the guitar videos that I started, mm-hmm. you know, doing this year, like I will go, okay, how does the guitar make me feel? Like, what is the, hmm. like, what is the emotion that sort of it triggers in me or what does it make me think of or whatever? And then I go, okay. So like, um, so the guitar that I just did, it, it looks like aliens designed it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's got no, Um, no head. Yeah. And so I was like, man, that thing feels like it was dropped off by aliens. And like, that's a a very easy concept immediately. Okay. Well then I'm going to get abducted in the forest by a spaceship and they're going to leave me this guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it starts there and then I, I go, okay, what I want it to look like, you know, what's the mood, what's the feel, what shots do I need to get? So I lay it all out kind of, and I try to add you know, in that case, kind of like some type of punchline. So it's like, you know, we didn't probe you. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, some of those things, but at the end, I find out that they actually did probe me. It was a mm-hmm. joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you kind of fill in from there, but I started as a journalist. Um, huh. that was my, that was my first real job was, um, a journalist. And then 2008 happened and I got laid off, you know, with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I really love the work, but I hate the pay. I'm going to go into marketing. Hmm. Um, so that's how I ended up at, at George Fox in Oregon. Um, so I was I was working there doing marketing stuff. I'm, I'll do the very brief overview. Yeah, no, that's. Um, so I ended up there. I was there for two and a half years, um, and then I'll explain this more after I'm done. But I, I sort of just had like one, just personal tragedy after another. Um, just kind of like personal crises of just identity and faith and just everything about you know was just rough. Um, and so I was like, you know what, if all I'm going to be is miserable, why would I stay alive? So I made like a suicide pact (laughs) with myself. And so I said, this next year is going to be either my best year ever or my last year ever. Mm. Um, 
So I quit my job, uh, sold everything, rode my bike, um, and took buses and did all kinds of stuff, hitchhiked, whatever, around the Western U.S. for where, four or five months. Sorry, where were you working at that point? Did you have like a regular like cubicle nine to five type of job? Yeah, I was at George Fox University. Oh, okay, all right. And you were you working at Fox or you just were you a student yeah. there? No, I was you were working, working at, at Fox. Fox. Okay, all right. I see. Um, so I, you know, quit, sold my job, did all that stuff, left, um, took off, came back about six months later, and was like, man, I can't go back to a job like that again. So I just started, um, I tried to, to write for a little bit, but it was kind of soul sucking. And some of the things that I've always struggled with that have been also good for me was that like, I just, I can't do things I don't want to do. Like it just, I had a really hard time with it. And so like with money and that kind of stuff, I've always been like, you know what, money is cool, but like, I don't, I don't care enough to be miserable for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so some of the things like I do, whether it's photography or writing, I, sometimes I'll just protect that and go like, this is mine and mm. fuck you if you try to ruin it. Like, I'm not going to do that for you. Mm. So, you know, I, I was writing, but it was like just stupid crap that I didn't care about. And then I, you know, I had always sort of thought video was kind of shallow. Actually, I was like, what a stupid medium. <laughs> mm. Um, what gave you that I, impression? Like, what was, what was it about it just, that? Um, because I was like, you know. I'll sit down and read a book for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. But like, I'm not going to watch a movie for more than like 90 minutes or two hours. Mm. So for me, it was just like, okay, if it can't keep my attention for that long, it, it has to be kind of shallow and pointless. Like mm. who cares? Um, and so, but then I, I was like, well, maybe that's stupid. <laughs> so I, I started making some videos and just because of my photography background, um, I kind of was good at it right away mm. in terms of being able to make it look nice and all that stuff. Um, and so then I was like, well, maybe I could do this. And then I just started getting some random clients here and there. Um, I ended up getting a job at Nike because I knew somebody who was doing the hiring there. And they're mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, we need someone to help launch products on the site. So I did that. And then at the same time, I started the Gee Insider. Um, this is all so convoluted. People are lost by now probably already. But um, yeah, that's good. So I started a YouTube channel basically because, um, you know, I was big into jujitsu and, mm -hmm. and mixed martial arts and stuff. And I was trying to find – because back then, like – to buy a gi was really hard. Yeah. Like there were no stores. You had to buy everything online. Right. The sizing was all different. Yes. And I was trying to find like good re gi reviews and everything I found was like some idiot white belt in his basement going like, I don't know, I hate the color, but <laughs> yeah. like, dude, so yeah. what? Like that doesn't help me. And then I went, hey, dummy, like you're good with cameras and you know this stuff. Why don't you just make the thing that you wish you could find? Hmm. Um, and so I started, I made one. And it was like way over the top. Like it was like studio lighting and like close-ups and voiceover. <laughs> yeah, okay. I felt myself rolling in it. Like it was just like it took probably, I bet the first one took me probably 70 hours okay. to, All right. to make. Um, but it blew up. Like everyone was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like it was mm. crazy. And in three months, like the house I lived in, it looked like a warehouse. I just had companies sending me stuff like mm. crazy. And I thought, well maybe I could make some money doing this. Yeah. So I started, I started calling company. Like I was an idiot. I had no idea what was going on. So I just started calling companies and I was like, uh, do you want to advertise on these videos, like sponsor them or something? Hmm. And no one, almost nobody responded to me except fighters market and MMA warehouse and MMA warehouse call, or they email me back and they go, Hey, we want to call you. I was like, okay, cool. So the owner, um, calls me and he goes, Hey, can we just buy your YouTube channel? And I was like, what? I don't know what that means. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, he goes, we just want to buy the channel, but then you just keep doing it, except it's for us now. And I was like, 
well, how, how much would that be? And like the price he quoted was more than my salary at Nike for a year. Jeez. Okay. Um, and I went, yeah, okay, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So by then I had it down. I mean, yeah. I could make, I could do one of those videos in like a day. Okay. Um, and they wanted me to do like four to six per month. And I was like, so I can work four to six days a month Jeez. and replace my Nike salary. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Um, which in hindsight was kind of stupid, but it sounded like an amazing deal at the time. So I did that for like a year. Okay. Um, got super bored because everything's the same. Like they're all right. made in the same three factories. It's just stitching. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I got super bored with it, quit. They were really pissed off because um, mm. I didn't want to do it anymore. And then, and it was selling geese like them for crazy. Like sure. they were making tons of money. Um, so then I ended up getting a job at Southern New Hampshire University, uh, you know, in New Hampshire, doing a big campaign for them. Um, that's where I met Cass, who we have the baby now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> well, and I remember, I remember when you, cause you posted one day that when you got that Nike job and you said something about Apple, the Apple orgy on your desk or something. So you had like iPhone, <laughs> iPad, like all this Apple. I was like, dang, that's crazy. And then it was like a couple months later, you were like, ah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I was like, Holy sh! I was like, wait, what? Dude, people would kill to have that job. And you were just like, mm, yeah, nah. Well, it's funny because like I went to my boss, um, who actually was a pretty cool lady. Um, and I just went to her one day and I was like, Hey, this is a total dead end, isn't it? She goes, Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, okay, here's the deal. I can do a week's worth of my job in about three hours. Um, so I don't want to come into work anymore. And she goes, okay. So what I did for, so this was like, this was like three months in. Mm -hmm. Um, so for, for like, and I was there for almost a year. Um, but like three months in, I had this conversation with her and she goes like, just come in on Mondays. So it looks good. Um, and I don't care as long as you get your work done. I don't care what you do, where you're at, what you make. And I was like, great. That's a good so manager. Then, yeah, totally. For so sure. then I was, so I was doing that. So I was making my Nike salary and I was making the MMA warehouse, Jeez. uh, money. So yeah. I went from like literally being dead ass broke to making mm-hmm. like six figures, yeah. literally like two months. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it was crazy. Um, now, and so and I had no, no idea what I was doing at all. Yeah. So, gosh, there's so much stuff I want to I want to circle back to like your how you prepare your concepts and all that stuff. But I guess I'm kind of on this. So, the Nike thing happens, and then the uh, MMA warehouse buys the YouTube page. Was there like was there any fallout when you stopped making videos? Other than they were pissed at you. Like, did you have any like legal obligation to continue to make videos, or like how did how did that? it just like ended and they were pissed. Yeah, they were, you know, um, I was like, look, you guys, I'm, I'm super bored. Well, part of it wasn't just that I was super bored. I was like, look, you guys, I'm way better at this than you are mm-hmm. like way better at this than you are. If you're going to have me do this stuff, like, why don't you let me run other things for you? Like, mm-hmm. like I was making these, these stuff and I was like, okay, well let me do your like YouTube and Facebook advertising. And they're like, no. Um, or I was like, well, I have these ideas. I, I want to also, you know, do profiles on, you know, these other, you know, jujitsu people and I can travel and go do this stuff. And at mm-hmm. the time, like that, that Stuart Cooper guy, do you yeah. remember him? Yep. Yep. He, you know, he had started doing this, some of this stuff and like his edits were just like so awful. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, these, like the stories are cool, but it's like, so I hate watching his videos. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just personal. Like he's, I'm sure an awesome dude. I don't know him, you know, good, good on him, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I was like, that's not how I would do that at all. And so, but they were like, nope, 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 nope. And finally I was like, dude, screw this. This is boring. 
And if you're not going to listen to me, I'm out. Like yeah, I'm just yeah. Done. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like why would if they if you were doing something that was having success, why would they not be interested in having you do more? For well, them? I mean, man, I I shouldn't say this out loud, but most like marketing managers are idiots. Yeah, no, I agree. Like they're really stupid people, and yeah. not on purpose. It's just that that's their job is not to be creative or to think through things. Their job is to stare at numbers and not get fired. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, that's, so of course that's what they're going to focus on. And so when you start talking about all this stuff, like you might as well just be jabbering at them in like pig Latin. They have no idea what you're talking about. They have no idea how to process it. They don't know how to evaluate what is a good idea or a bad idea or not. So the safest thing for them to do is just say no, mm -hmm. uh, which, which they do. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. So let, let's circle back a little bit to because you I do feel like you kind of sometimes struggle with the line of like, where can I just be creative? And then also understanding that like you do the business side really well, too. But I don't know. Do you like that side of things, too, like the business side of it? Or do you wish you could just be more free to just totally be creative? Or how do you reconcile that? Well, I. I personally think the mo the oftentimes the the most creative I get is when I'm most boxed in. So mm -hmm. just somebody going like I don't know, think of something. That's I hate that. <laughs> hmm. Like well, I can literally think of anything. That doesn't mean it's good. I need to have a I need a target. I need something to shoot at as a goal. Sure. Um, and so business goals are a great way to do that. And so for me, like I, it it started out of necessity because like I would make a video for a company, and I would give that to them, and they were like, "This is awesome. We love it." And I was like, "Great." And then like six months later, I would go, hey, like, how's it going? Do you want to do more? And they're like, I don't know. I didn't do anything. It was just a dud. So we don't really want to do more of it. And I'd go, well, what, what did you do with it? And they're like, I don't know. We posted on Facebook. I'm like, well, okay. Like, that's not my fault. Like, right. you don't understand distribution. Right. So for me, it was like I had to start talking in terms of like, like I'd just be able to speak to an accountant um, at the same time as be creative. And so it really swung into the, I had to talk numbers more than I had to talk creativity because they were never going to understand anything that I was talking about, but I could mm. understand what they needed to hear. Mm. Um, and so for me, like, you know, I like, I like solving business problems. I like going, Hey man, our, our company just made 30% more profit in the three months because of this thing you did. Like, I like that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, you know, the, the creativity for creativity's sake, like I do that for, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but for clients, they don't, they don't care about your creativity. They don't care about your, you know, whatever they care about numbers. Hmm. Okay. So how did you, did you just learn that just from being in the, cause marketing seems to me like this big, huge, you know, you have some people that are like graphic designers, other people more business minded, you know, you have videographers, photographer, like the job is so immense. Like, I don't know how you classify it as this is that one thing so did you like how did you get I, but i feel like you're good at a lot of the aspects of it how did you did you like is it all just like self-taught did you read some really good books or was there a youtube channel you were into or is this all trial and error or how did you how did you get good at these things kind of all the above i mean the, the biggest thing is that i i genuinely i'm inside these platforms doing them mm -hmm. um you know and not not because I want to be YouTube famous or because I wish I had a hundred thousand you know, followers on Instagram. I don't care about that stuff. I just want to know how it works. Um, because a lot of the times like the technology of the platform itself informs the creative. So I know that if, you know, Hey, I need to shoot vertically for 15 seconds, like that's going to 
impact your concept. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like to be able to, to get inside these platforms and understand deeply how they work, but then also the technology around them in terms of like, well, I can make this thing, but then I can turn it into a system. Um, so that, you know, part of it is just being a practitioner, you know, I, I read, I, you know, I study it a ton. I look at what other people are doing that I think is cool. Um, I mean, I'm a very much a student of it. I certainly don't have all the answers, but I also, you know, this was probably in 2012, 2013 ish. Um, I kind of went like the, the one trick pony is dead. That person is over. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a frightening thing to only have one skill set when that might not even be relevant in literally six months. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I'm just going to understand as much of it as I can. And so now like I can walk onto a TV shoot and talk to a DP. I can walk into a boardroom and talk to a CMO. I can talk to a design. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I can walk into an agency and talk to their project manager and go over a creative brief. Like none of those languages are foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it makes it good in the sense that it's opened up a lot of doors. It makes it hard because when you're describing yourself to someone, they want to just hear the one thing they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding that balance is really hard. Hmm. Yeah. That's, and the other thing that you kind of remind me of Dewey in the way that, you know, like Dewey is like a master at his craft, but doesn't like self promote, doesn't care, doesn't, you know, you you seem to be that way too, where you have this like immense skill set, but you're like super self deprecating and don't you know like I mean I was asking you about those you were doing those end of year reviews for a couple of years and I remember like I was moved by a couple of them like wow this is really insightful like there was some really good stuff in there but like I can't even I mean I've had friends that are not friends with you on Facebook that I'm like hey you should check out this video and I can't share it because you <laughs> don't make it shareable you know what I mean yeah. And it's like you do things different from what, you know, Gary Vee or these other, you know, your Ty Lopez, you know, you do things different than what those guys say would be the market standard and how you should do things. But it's like sometimes I wish like there was an easier way for me to help other people consume your content, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's come up a lot. People always go like, why don't you like have a site or a blog or whatever? And like. I guess the the thing is that it's like it's not for any like virtuous reason. One is I just I'm kind of lazy and I don't like maintaining all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also like those I do those things for me. Yeah. Like I don't like when I write I don't care if anybody reads that. Like the the end of the year, like the things I think I learned I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if anybody reads it. I don't care if anybody likes it. Um, I post it as um, in a weird way because I am kind of so like hermitish and sort of antisocial a little bit it's like the one time of the year where i'm really honest um because for the most part i'm you know i make jokes i fuck around yeah i like you know what i mean i'll say things sometimes just to see how people react because i'm just trying to learn something Mm -hmm. like i'm not necessarily like you know oh my god like if somebody follows me on facebook it's it's not like oh they have a good handle on who i am they're that's crazy you know what i mean but that's kind of like the one time of year where i sort of like you know, open a vein and sort of just let it out in front of people. Um, and so, but then, you know, but people, some people respond to it really well and they go, Oh my God, like I cried or whatever. And Mm -hmm. some people like, some people hated it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and they let me know and I go, cool. What's their objection to it? How could, how could a self-reflection be something someone would be upset about? Well, I really like to make fun of feminists and I hate the government. So like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, Sure. 
So people, people get mad. Okay. <laughs> and you know, it's not that I'm like anti-feminist. I just find a lot of it just so intellectually yeah, social, stupid social that justice. I pointed out. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, I go, like, this, sure. is, this is idiotic. For sure. Stupid. For sure. Um, so they get mad at me for that kind of thing. But it's, okay. at the same time, it's like, I'm not doing that because I'm trying to be liked or anything. I do it. I do it for me. And so mm -hmm. people's reactions to it, I go, okay, fine. You're totally entitled to that. I just, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you get to that point? Because, you know, I've been creating content for, you know, I do this terrible podcast and I have some other stuff going on, but it's like, I've just started creating content maybe a couple of years ago. You know, you've been doing it for super, super long now. 17 years. Yeah. How do you get to the point where, you know, you're like that? Because especially that, if I, if I did something super personal, and put it out there and people were like, oh, well, this is stupid or I hate this. I'd be like, I would have a hard time with that. So how did you develop the thick skin necessary to be a creative for this long? Um, I don't even know if it's thick skin. I like okay. the, th the things, the things that hurt are the things that are true. Hmm. Like, I, I think what I've been able to do is I can step back from the thing that I make and go like, well, that's even though it's a reflection of me, that's not me. So if somebody doesn't like it, I don't go like, well, why do you hate me? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's kind of like almost like being here in Massachusetts. Like if you don't like Massachusetts, it's because you hate the person, you hate America, like you hate what they stand for, you wish their family was dead. It's like, whoa, no, no, no. I'm, we're talking about an idea, mm -hmm. <laughs> not you as a human being. And so for me, like the things that I create, okay, they're so just not ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, and, the, and it's like that I, I deeply I want it to be good, sure. but it's, it's more like I want it to be good because I wanted to get better. Hmm. Um, and not because I necessarily go like, okay, if I post this, is Kevin going to like it? I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's, so it's not necessarily thin skin. And when people, you know, people on my YouTube channel, they'll be like, oh, you suck at guitar. Mm -hmm. You're fucking gay. You're stupid. You know what I mean? Like all this okay. stuff. And you go, yeah. and you go, okay, like what am I supposed mm -hmm. to do with that? Like somebody watched us. They watch. They voluntarily watched something I made and then got mad at me for it. Yeah, like that's utterly stupid. And yeah. the, the idea of giving that person any kind of agency over how I feel about myself is insane. Um, and I get that it takes practice. It can be really hard. But for me, I just go like, that person's an idiot. I don't care. Mm. <laughs> Ricky Gervais said it's like going to someone's house and knocking on their door when they open it, going, "I don't like you," and then just closing the door. You totally, but, like, okay. you know, yeah. <laughs> But it's still, I don't know, I guess I guess I still sometimes wonder, like, you know, oh, how does that... And I don't know, I guess there's a comfort level in the stuff that you create where I feel like... Because I think the best stuff you, people create is when they're not so worried about... They get out of their own way when they're making stuff. And I feel like it you seems like... Be. Go ahead. You just, you, you can't, like... It's that old quote, like, if Henry Ford had asked everybody what they wanted, they'd have asked for, like, better horses. He made mm -hmm. a car. Like... Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I know what I'm trying to accomplish for myself. Like, and when I make something and honestly, like, I bet I, I probably share, I don't know, 30% of what I make. Mm -hmm. Like most of the stuff just goes to the dustbin of my own history and no one will ever see it. Hmm. Uh, and so it's like, you know, I don't feel the need to go like, Hey, I did this. What do you guys think? Because mm -hmm. it's like, and unless it's like, for instance, like if I was talking about if I was doing something with jujitsu, I would deeply care about Brian Murug's opinion on it. Mm -hmm. I would not care about some fat idiot on the internet who's yeah. never done jujitsu. I don't, I don't care. So yeah. for me, like if I'm, if I'm shooting a video and someone that I deeply respect in that field goes, that's not good. Here's why I will listen to forever. I will go, you know what? Yeah. Tell me everything. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Someone who doesn't know, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, but, but then there's also the whole thing of like, you have to make stuff that people like. So, I mean, I, I definitely pay attention. I just don't take it personally. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. What do you, Did you know that Dewey, Dewey oh. and I have the exact same birthday? Really? Yeah, we were born on the exact same day of the same year. Whoa. Yeah, I always tell we're like I told I always tell people we're like that movie Twins, but he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. version, <laughs> and I'm the Danny DeVito version. Oh man, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, wow. he's yeah he's hilarious. I love him. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, hmm. Oh gosh, I'm you know, like get my mind just raised so much stuff. Um, is there anything? Is there anything you're working on right now that you're super stoked about? Because it's, I feel like you've done some vlog stuff. You know, like we said, you did writing. You've done. I I show your um, the commercial you made for one of the running shoe companies. I, I thought that was really cool. Um, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but is there anything you're working on right now that you're really into? You're like, man, I've been doing this thing. You know, I've, I've seen the guitar reviews. But is, is there stuff you're working on right now that you're super excited about? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of a project for shell right now. That's really fun. Um, that, um, I can't talk about obviously, okay, but, yeah. um, but it's, but, but the, the big reason that I like it so much is that so that shell, uh, shell oil, the, you know, the giant evil company, mm -hmm. um, they have like this internal production company that is just like so awesome. Like the people are so talented and just like without ego, they're so fun to work with. Hmm. Um, very smart, just like hilarious people. Um, so they, so basically the way an internal agency is, is that you have, you know, you call them clients, but it's just different sections of the business and a company like shell, you know, they have dozens, if not hundreds of individual sort of companies within shell mm -hmm. or, or arms of shell that do their own thing, but they're still part of shell. Anyways, they go to this internal agency, just like a client would basically. So right now they have this one client that for whatever reason just doesn't like them very much. So they're making, they're making them pitch against two other external agencies. And so they, and I've done other stuff with them in the past, but they were like, look, we have to win this pitch. This is kind of like a threat to our survival kind of a thing. Hmm. So I get super pumped about that, that kind of thing. Cause I just love to win more than anything. Sure. Um, so I, I, I helped them draw up like this, you know, entire campaign, um, that they pitch, I think a week from Tuesday, something like that. Hmm. So, so is that kind of, yeah. How do you get to working with, cause I mean, I know a lot of people that are interested in marketing and all that, and they, they're not working with massive companies and corporations. How did you get into that? Like that sphere, that realm where you're with those high level companies? Well, I always tell people, well, one is, um, be good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but don't be good just once. So I always tell people like, if it's not repeatable, it's not reputable. Hmm. I don't give it, I don't give a shit that you had one viral video. I don't care that you have 10,000 people on Instagram. It like, great. That means you were great at like showing your tits or something. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. congratulations. That does not mean you're going to come in and run a company's social media and be any good at it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, so you have to have like repeatable, results. <laughs> that's, mm. that's where you, that's where you start. And then you just trade up. So if you go, Hey, I did this for my local car dealership, whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's, what's the next size company? Maybe you go to like a regional RV company, you know, and then you try to land camping world after you've succeeded with that. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a matter of going like, I did this. 
what's the next thing up that I can do? Hmm. Um, Almost like that game, bigger, better, where you start with something to see how much you can trade for who can have the best oh, yeah. thing when they're done. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a lot of outreach. Um, it's a lot of rejection. Um, and so for me, you know, in some aspects, because I can make a lot of things, I will simply go, here's an idea that I think will work. I made it. <laughs> hmm. So I'm not asking people who don't have an imagination to imagine something that they're mm. never going to understand. Um, so I try to make as much as I, as I can like tangible for them um, and then explain how it would work numbers wise and what the system is around it hmm. um, and that kind of a thing. And then it's also understanding that like the one man band thing is kind of fun sometimes. Um, but your shell is never going to hire some vlogger to go make a video for them. Mm -hmm. Like, like ever because they're giant corporations, they're used to processes and those companies hire you based on how you do things more than what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for them, the idea of just hiring some random dude who's good at YouTube is insane. They're like, we don't care. What is your process? Who's your team? Like if you fly over here, like what equipment are you going to use? Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, they have these whole massive um, bureaucracies built in sort of to kind of protect themselves from gigantic failures because they're spending tons of money. This is not, oh, you know, a $500 project that didn't go well, you know, whatever. Sure. They're talking about like hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars on, on production. And so for them, like that can't go wrong, period. Yeah. Hmm. Dang. So – one of the things you said there was get good or be good. How do you get good at, you know, stuff? If you were, do you have a process for how you attack things when you're like, okay, I want to get good at this skill set? Like, do you have a process for how you get better at that? Yeah, you fail at it until you don't suck at it anymore. <laughs> okay. So, like, let's take this for instance. So, I have thought, well, it'd be cool to do some videography stuff and then. I'll think about like, oh, it'd be cool to tell this story. But then I'm like, it just seems so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I could fail a lot. But like, is there any way to maybe, I don't know, be more educated, be a more educated failure? You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm not just starting from scratch in the dark. I at least have some direction. And then I, as I go, I can learn from there. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a real answer. Okay. Um, so like it's like so I'll take video for example. Mm -hmm. um, like I always tell people, video is not that hard. There's just a million ways to fuck it up. Hmm. So there's two ways you can learn that. One is just go endlessly screw up and go. Oh, that's right. That's why that didn't work. Okay, don't don't make that mistake again. The problem is if you if somebody's paying you, <laughs> you just cost them or yourself a lot of money because they're not going to eat that cost. Right. You are. So now you're losing money to do a lot of work or you go find somebody who is where you wish you were mm. and, and find some way to get them to mentor you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, do a ton of research, read everything, study everything you can. Like, like there is nothing that you can't figure out anymore. Like YouTube exists. So, right. you know, just type in a search. And you're gonna get, you know what I mean? Um, so honestly, it's it's failing personally and then also getting really smart people who are farther along than you are to share what they know. Hmm. And so how do you, because I, I agree too, you know, like uh, the internet is basically, you know, making everything available. But part of the problem is that 
with that, you have a lot of, one of the things I've found to be helpful there is finding the right type of mentor, you know? So like if I search how to, you know, be a filmmaker on YouTube, I'm going to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of hits, but how many of those are even any good? You know what I mean? Like how many of those will be useful and how many are just some guy in his basement talking about whatever, you know what I mean? So is, how do you, I feel like the, the bullshit filter is really important being able to figure out, okay, this person is legit and this person isn't. Do you have any way you go about filtering out people and finding, okay, yeah, this person really would be, it would be someone that I could get some good mentorship from. I mean, you're asking a deeply philosophical question. And that mm-hmm. is how do you know any, you know, how do we know anything that we know? Right. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, it, so it becomes a mix. So like I, I approach it one, um, you know, does this match with any of my personal experience? Is this ringing true whatsoever? Mm-hmm. And then the journalist in me goes like, well, can I verify this through multiple sources? Um, mm-hmm. So if I'm getting wildly different answers from a b- bunch of different people, that's spikes my BS meter for sure. Because hmm. I go, well, they're all making this up. Unless it's something wildly subjective. Like if you type in like, you know, how to edit a portrait photo, mm-hmm. like you're gonna get everybody's individual thing. And then you just go like, well, I like that. I like the way that one looks. So I'm gonna go with that one. And this other one's not wrong. It's just that I don't like how that looks. So I'm not gonna do it. Hmm. Um, so something like that is easy. So if it's a technical question, it's, it's just a matter of like, you know, here, how do I find out verifiably like that these people are telling me the same thing over and over and over again? That's mm-hmm. probably true. Um, and then you mix that with personal experience and sometimes you'll be wrong. Sometimes you'll be right. But you know, at the end of the day, especially in terms of like the creative world, just do it. Like to quote Nike, of course, like mm-hmm. you, you got to do the thing. There's only so much ivory tower. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could watch a seminar on jujitsu and then walk out and get my ass beat. Mm-hmm. Like you got to mm-hmm. do it at yeah. some point there is this transfer of like knowledge to, you know, replicable skill. Right. Hmm. Okay. And what's the end goal? Do you think like, what should people, you know, like I'm thinking about the podcast cause I was watching your video on Sunday and you were talking about how, you know, people aren't going to get famous. You're not going to, you know, like what should the goal be for content creators? Do you think? Well, there's no such thing. It's whatever that person wants it to be. Sure. Um, you know, I think most people like they go like, well, I wish I could make a living. Mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a reasonable question. Um, but I can't say, you know, don't try to be famous. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that how, how reasonable do you think it is that people could make a living creating content? I mean, very. It, it's, it's, it's very, there's a path for it. I mean, I'm an idiot, so I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I mean, I guess, cause you were, you had a good take on your Sunday video where you were talking about how, um, you can't tell people, yes, this this idea is a good idea and it will work, you know, but I guess if people were trying to get where you're getting, what would you recommend? Like, where would, where do you start? Oof. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, 17 years. I mean, in. I like I started. So for me, it was it, you know, it started kind of fairly simply and then it was like I couldn't find the thing that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I made that thing. So I like I to this day, I write down problems. I go, I couldn't do this today. You know, why is that a system problem? Is it I'm stupid? Like, could I solve that through doing something like just start taking notice of the things that annoy you and go like, how would I solve that? Hmm. Like a lot of times you'll find ways in. 
Um, maybe it's, you know, for me at the time, it was like this, you know, it's called idea sex. Can you take two things that aren't related and bring them together? And for me, it was like, I love cameras and I love jujitsu. Well, why don't I make wildly over the top gi reviews? Mm. Um, so can you take these two things and just start putting it? So like literally go on one, one column, write down, um, things I can do, like my skills. And then on the other side, like topics that I'm interested in and just write them down and then just start drawing lines and just go like, huh, well, that's strange. Like, I don't know how to mix like my love of jalapenos with baby photography. Okay. That's probably not going to work, but yeah, but you know what I mean? You start making these connections because all creativity is, is making connections between things that already exist. Hmm. So if you can do that, you, all you're doing is making things you're taking things from unknown into the known that really is creativity you're trying to go like hmm. what what can i what new idea can i introduce in a way that feels familiar um and a lot of times that's all you're really doing so if you're just starting out go like you know what are my skill sets and be real you know what i mean like you can't lie to yourself and hmm. succeed you have to understand where you are in the pecking order of things i know a lot of talentless people with giant egos that are going to get nowhere because they can't step back and go like, you know what? I, I suck. I, ha I have to get better at this. Um, so you have to be real with yourself about what you can actually do. And then you're gonna have to just put in the work. Like all this stuff is not overnight. Like I got super lucky with the gear review thing, mm -hmm. but I've also done things that took me a long, long time and there were a ton of work. Um, it's just like, was, you know, these things pay off over time. And then you have to, like, you have to understand how money works. Um, you have to understand how to both create value and capture value. And mm -hmm. so capturing value is the you getting money part. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so understanding just like, you know, how that works, so what, how many different ways can I make money, like streams of revenue? Is it selling my uh, service? Is it selling, you know, a product? Am I selling someone else's thing? Am I being paid off of, you know, views? Am I being paid off of sale? Like there's all these different things um, but if you don't understand, you're going to go, well, I'm just going to start a blog and then maybe someone will see it and want to give me money. You're like, no, mm -hmm. dummy. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's not how this works. You're not going to start a podcast and make six figures in three months. It's not happening. Oh, shit. No. All right. Well, we're done. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Selfishly, though, then. So how would, if you were advising my podcast, and I guess just hammer it, like what would you say? Because you said you couldn't say if I pitched you the idea of hey it might start a podcast, but you're you'll be like episode fifty five, so I'm into it. Um, can, what kind of can you give me some ideas on what I should be doing to do the distribution better, or do you know just make this whole experience better? What would uh, well, I, can, some, I mean? I can ask you one thing. And yeah. This is going to answer everything. Sure. What is the value proposition of your podcast? Uh, that's a good question. Cause sometimes it's, it's hard. Cause when I started, no, see, you've already failed. Okay. All right. But you failed. Yes. There is none. Yeah. That's the answer. Okay. And th that's not bad if it's a personal project and it's an excuse for you to talk to people that you think are interesting. Yeah. That's 100% okay. valid. Okay. That's totally valid. If you want to turn that thing into a business, you failed. Yeah. Okay. It's over. You have to, you have like, Nobody cares that you exist. Yeah. I can't, I can't stress this enough. Right. <laughs> no, I'll say this again. Nobody cares that you exist. That's true. Well, my mom, maybe. Yeah. On a good day. Okay. Right? All right. All so right. like, but you're, you know, 
no one's going to pay you because your mom loves you. Like true. that's kind of like, Very that's true. baseline. You know what I mean? Like Very your true. mom has, your, your mom almost has to love you. Like yeah. if your mom doesn't love you, you failed at life. Yes. So, so I think that it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have to give people a reason to pay attention to you because mm. you're competing with billions and billions and billions of other pieces of content okay. that flood the, like no one's short on quantity. Anymore. Yeah. Right. So if you can't tell me why I should listen to your podcast and what I'm going to get out of it, because people consume things for themselves, yeah. not for you. Okay. If you can't answer those questions, it's over before it's even started. Okay. Like period. And you have to have a, um, I feel like I'm lecturing you. No, it's good. I'm, I'm not. It's good. <laughs> Continue. Continue to lecture. This is just me because I'm, I'm shouting at myself internally because I fail at this all the time too. But um you know, so you have to have a value proposition. You have to have an understanding of who the audience is and not mm -hmm. just like, I don't know, dudes. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. See, and when I first started, like I, you know, most of the, the most interesting people I knew were all jujitsu guys. So I interviewed a couple of them early on, but then I'm like, well, it's, it's hard because I like to talk about survivor and I want to talk about movies that I've seen, but I also want to talk to people like you that I find fascinating. I want to like, learn more about how you work so it's hard because you're right that there, there really isn't a value prop like i don't know why people would listen to it you know it's like yeah so they're not going to yeah okay period right. that's okay. just it so you know if you and and this is the, the third thing is you have to you have to choose a niche mm -hmm. so if you're talking about survivor people who love survivor are going to find you mm -hmm. and they're going to listen to you if they get to your podcast and they hear an episode about survivor and they're like rad and then they click over it and it's Mike Richardson talking about how he almost killed himself. So he went on this bike ride. Right. They're out. It's over. Yeah. Like that's, it's over. You know what I mean? Okay. So you have to choose a niche and people don't want to hear that. Cause they're like, well, I have all these different interests. Mm -hmm. I don't care. No, no. Again, nobody cares that you exist. Mm. So you have to create things that are what's called discoverable content. Meaning what are people looking for? Mm -hmm. So rather than, <clears throat> and you have to sort of embrace the whole clickbait ideology. So when I sit down, and I know that this is like, um, you know, I, I sometimes answer kind of vaguely, but I'll go a little bit more of the weeds because I usually think people don't care, but mm -hmm. we'll go into it. Okay. So like, so like YouTube for me, I start with what is the headline? What is the title of that video? And what is the thumbnail? Mm -hmm. Because whatever comes after that, if I can't get them to click on it, it doesn't matter. Mm. I can make the greatest video of all time. And if nobody clicks on it, it doesn't freaking matter mm -hmm. so you know for um let's say you know like this episode or whatever mm -hmm. like and this is going to be stupid or whatever but like you know if you're going to title this episode don't go like hey it's a cool conversation with my friend mike mm -hmm. no one cares nobody cares but what you might do is like hey how a suicide pact changed his business outcome or whatever you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. like that people go like wait what yeah or and you have to tie it into some type of, again, some type of value proposition. Like what does suicide have to do with marketing? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it creates that intrigue. It sort of, cause people hate it when things don't line up in their brains. That separation is what causes them to click on something. And so they go like, wait, I have to know what the answer is because let's say, you know, if they care about, you know, marketing or learning how to be a videographer and you go like, Hey, this, you know, guy almost killed himself and it changes video career. They go, wait, what? Okay. Hmm. Not at least you've sparked it. And that's probably a stupid example, but like you've at least sparked that piece of intrigue into their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always start with the, that before I even concept the video, 
Mm. Um, I'll go, okay, what is the title? What is the thumbnail? How do I, how, and you know, if it's a blog article, it's the, it's the headline. If it's a podcast, again, it's the title of the podcast. Mm. Um, if I can't get the click, whatever I make afterwards doesn't matter. Hmm. Okay. So how that ties into getting started is, so have a value proposition, mm -hmm. understand your audience, make discoverable content that people are actively searching for because they don't care about your random vlog or your random conversation with a friend. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like provide them with value and then understand what gets people to click on shit. Like you have to understand clickbait and you know, people have this negative, you know, association with the word clickbait, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't at all. Like you, if I trick somebody into watching a video and they loved it, I did my job. Hmm. If I trick somebody into clicking on a video and I've fooled them and I made them feel like an idiot, I failed. Hmm. Okay. Okay. There's no, sh there's no shame in getting somebody to watch something that they like or that makes them smarter or changes their life. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So do it. Okay. All right. So Cause you're competing with people who are idiots, but they're really good at getting attention. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. You're dealing with the Ty Lopez's of the world. Mm -hmm. Like get Logan clicks. Paul, Jake Paul, those types yeah. of guys. Yeah. They'll get you to click all day long mm -hmm. and then they'll make you a dumber human being. Mm -hmm. That's who you're competing with. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is there, hmm. Okay. I need to think about that for a while. I might have to have you back on <laughs> after <laughs> after I spend some time rethinking through everything. But actually, you did remind me that I, I I didn't have anything to write notes down. I did want to get back to you talked about the suicide pact and and uh, the West Coast ride, and we didn't even really get into that. Can you kind of so you said you decided this was going to be your best year ever, or the last year ever? Like what? I mean, that's a that's a heavy. I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure, first of all, but like what, I guess like, how does that, what, what happened in that, in that area as far as like, how do you get to the place where you're like, okay, this is where I'm at? Well, I, uh, I went through a divorce, okay. which was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had, you know, I'd been like a, a Christian, like a very, I wouldn't say like devout, but it meant a lot to me. Like mm -hmm. it really, it meant a lot to me. And I kind of had like a crisis of faith where I was just like, I can't, I can't make this make sense in my head anymore. Like I want, I want it to be true more than anything. I want it to be true. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, but it's not like, it's not, um, I couldn't sort of pull the wool of my own eyes anymore and feel comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had that going on and then like, you know, I had, you know, lost my job. I, I moved to this new place and I didn't really know anybody and I didn't mm -hmm. have any friends and it was just like one thing on top of the other. And then I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't even know what I believe. Like, it was just like one miserable thing after the other. And it mm -hmm. just kind of, I got to the point where I was like, this can't be a reason to live. Like if I'm just going to be miserable, just stop. There's no, there's no point in this. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of, that was the impetus for it. And then I, I just kind of made a deal with myself because, you know, I didn't actually want to kill myself, but I was like, well, you, you get, you got to put, you got to make the stakes <laughs> mm -hmm. like important enough to, to change. And the idea of dying, uh, is a good motivator. Yeah. I find. Um, so I did. So I, I climbed up, um, you know, the Fremont bridge in Portland. Uh -huh. Yeah. I climbed up to it on, uh, I think it was, it wasn't new year's day. It wasn't that cliche. I think it was like January 3rd, 2nd, something like that. Mm -hmm. I climbed up it, um, and stood on the edge and said, I'm coming back in a year. 
And if I can't say it was the best year of my life, I'm throwing myself off. Um, and so I did. I climbed back up one year later and said I had the best year of my life. So mm. here we are. Here we now, are. Did you have like um, milestones within that year? You're like, I need to hit, hit this. Like, was there or was it just a subjective? I'll I'll know whether it was the best year of my life. Yeah, I didn't have. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty subjective. But I was like, I'm. I'll know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll know. Um, and so you know, one of it was like I just felt like I was in like a dead end job, as most of them are. Um, you know, I was just like. I feel very stagnant. I'm not trying anything new. I'm not doing things that scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just have sort of settled into this kind of like very tame, very unhappy existence and I've called it good enough. And so I, you know, quit my job. I did things that I will never forget my whole life. Like I just met people and saw things and did things. And, th- and that, and that carried over. Like when I was, um, you know, when I was, contemplating like you know after the whole nike and the you know jujitsu stuff and i was like well now what do i do like do i go back and get a regular job do i just really commit to being on my own like i was terrified of Mm -hmm. that decision and i was like well okay stop like what's the worst thing that could happen and i was like well i will lose everything and i will be homeless in portland and i was like okay well go be homeless for a little while see what it's like so I spent 30 days <laughs> living in Forest Park on a budget of $10 a day. Um, and at the end of it, I was like, that was awful, but it's really not the end of the world. And I'm willing to risk that so I don't have to go sit in a cubicle anywhere. <laughs> wow. Did you chronicle any of that? Like, did No. Were people, like, uh, were people out there confused as to why you were out there or... I don't think a lot of people even knew. I mean, I don't think a lot of people were you running into other like homeless people and stuff. Oh yeah. I got attacked by a meth addict one night, um, (laughs) which was like insane. Uh, so I would go, (laughs) so I, I found this place like on the edge of forest park was like a construction zone. And it was awesome because I, they had like this orange fencing up. And so I could just, I could just sleep right on the other side of the orange fencing. No one could see me. It was awesome. But one morning, I, I overslept and the construction crew found me and they're like, Hey man, like you got to beat it. If we find you again, we're going to call the cops. It's like, okay, fine. So then I had to go find, you know, places to stay. And so I would just go into forest park, find a place, you know, for the most part, it's no big deal. So one night <laughs> I'm up kind of in, um, like the industrial, you know, Northwest part of, or of Portland. And so I find this trail that goes up and as I'm walking up this trail, there's this dude and it's like, this is right at dusk. There's this dude like standing up on the trail he has no shirt on, like covered in sores, like clearly a meth. That, like, I mean, like, I mean, fucked up. And I went, ah, oh, dude, come on. <laughs> so and I was like, well, I can probably beat him up and I'm armed. Like I always had a knife on me. So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to keep going. And if it gets sketchy, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. So I'm walking up the hill and I go, Hey man, like, uh, I'm just, just heading up the trail, blah, blah. And he's just staring at me. Like he doesn't say a word. And I get maybe like 10 feet to him and he just like goes, ah! and like, runs right past me and just runs down the trail and disappears. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So I go up the trail and I set up like my sleeping bag and I'm hanging out. And all of a sudden I just hear this thrashing through the brush. And I was like, what in the hell is that? Well, he had like backtracked thinking that he was going to like avoid me or I don't know what he was doing, but anyway, he comes up the trail and like literally like walk, like walks right into my camp and he goes, are you stalking me? And he starts, you know, screaming at me. And I was like, no, dude, like I'm just there trying to take a, you know, I'm 
I'm going to sleep, you know, blah, blah, I'm just out here too. And he's like, this is my spot. And I was like, dude, I didn't know. It's fine. I can move, blah, blah. And I was like, it doesn't look like you camp here. And he's like, well, it's farther up, but this is close enough. So he starts accusing me of being like this FBI spy oh, and like gosh. all this, like, and he starts like screaming at me and he starts walking towards me. And I go, and I go, hey, hey buddy, you have to stop because I'm going to hurt you. And so he, and he stops and he looks at me and I, like, I pull out a knife, like I pulled it out. And I'm like, yeah. if you cut, if you come near me, I'm going to hurt you. And I don't want to, but I will. So he keeps like kind of walking towards me and he's like, not really saying anything. He's just staring at me. And he keeps walking towards me, walking towards me. And I went, holy shit, I'm going to kill a dude. This is crazy. <laughs> like, I never thought I'd be here. This is not what this is about. I don't want to yeah. hurt you. Like, this is a 30 so this, day experiment. Like, yeah. This dude, he keeps, he keeps coming over. And finally I go, this is it. Stop. Or you're getting cut. And he like, he stops and he like stares at me and he screams at the top of his voice. He goes, my name is Christopher Hill and you will never see me again. And just ran off down the trail. And I never, never saw him again. He was right. You would never see Christopher Hill again, but wow. Yeah. It was intense. I didn't sleep that night. That was Yeah. Did that make you rethink like maybe let's end the experiment a little early or. No, but it sucked. I was like, man, this is fucking brutal. This is terrible. I was so wired. I didn't. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way you're sleeping after that. Holy crap. Jeez. Okay. So anyway, so you let's get to the ride. How did the ride happen in the West Coast? Like, where did you go? Like, what? where did you stay? What were you doing? I started in Montana because okay. um, that's where I'm from. So I went back and I like I had a few things left. So I just put them in my mom's garage. And then I started there, rode my bike to. Um, Seattle and then rode and I would just I just camped or I would stay in campgrounds or I would stealth camp or I, I knew some people along the way and like I stayed in um with this family in Coeur d'Alene Idaho like this happened actually quite a bit there are a lot of cyclists and so like I had an obvious touring setup so they would drive by and they would stop and go hey are you touring and I would go yeah and like hey you know we love we love biking too just come stay at our place for three oh, miles wow. you know that happened all the time huh. um so I'd be able to like, stay and get a shower. You know what I mean? People were super, super nice. Huh. Um, and it was always kind of amazing because people would, and I think this sort of speaks a little bit into the situation that we're experiencing now. Like people would go like, oh yeah, like this town's great. We're nice. But the next town over, you got to be a little bit careful. Hmm. And so like I would get to the next town and they were super nice. Hmm. And then they'd be like, but the next town over, you got to be a little careful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone thinks that they're great, but everyone else around them is scary. And yeah. it was like, no. No, you can assume that about everybody. It's fine. Hmm. But they're nice too. So, and then I went to um, Mia Bay, which is where I lived with that um, Native American tribe for a while. I did a 14-day canoe journey with them through the Puget Sound. It was amazing. Jeez. And then I and then I rode down the West Coast um, down to um, Big Sur. Is about as far south as okay. I got. And did you have like a schedule of like, okay, I'm going to try to get 20 miles a day, or like, was it just kind of went where the wind takes you kind of yeah like some like i think my longest day was like 75 miles and my shortest day was you know zero it was just kind of like i stayed in ashland oregon for almost two weeks um just because it's like i love ashland so much and like Hmm. it was amazing and i you know met this girl so we hung out for a week and you know did the whole thing and then just you know you keep going so i didn't have any real like schedule Hmm. okay wow and so when that ends, like what, 
do you just like, okay, now I got to figure out what's next or. Yep. Pretty much. And that's when, and that was when I sort of made the transition into doing some video work. Um, yeah. And I guess how that, that was interesting to me too, because you know, you, that is a scary thing. Like when you decide you're going to start your own business and now, you know, when you're working for Nike, that paycheck's coming regardless. But you know, when you're working for yourself, like that's all on you. Um, first of all, like what you said that it did scare you a little bit. How did you, how did you make the step to, okay, I am going to do this. And what did you learn? Like if you could do it from, if you could do it again, would you do anything differently or what did you learn from that experience? Oh, I do things way different. Yeah. Okay. It, it wasn't, um, wasn't necessarily like, you know, I had this moment of bravery where I was going to bet on myself and do mm-hmm. all this stuff. It was, it was just literally like, I can't go back to that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, that kills me. I can't do it. Um, it was really more cowardice than anything. I just was like, I can't face that kind of life anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was more of a matter of survival than any sort of like brave, smart decision. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the, <clears throat> I made it a million mistakes, of course. Um, I think one of the biggest ones was that I, because money was so hard to get and it was so precious at the beginning that when I got it, I, I just wanted to hold on to it mm. and I didn't reinvest it into getting bigger. Um, so I stayed, you know, I stayed a one man band for way, way, way too long rather than going, well, I, like, I remember, I remember the first client that I got and it was, it wasn't the first, but it was like the first one that paid real money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this was probably six months after I got back from my bike trip. And like, I had to, like, I was like scraping coins out of couch cushions. I was doing some illegal shit to earn money. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was rough times. Okay. Um, and so I remember I got a, I got a job and I, and I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to quote them way more than I normally would. And if I don't get it, whatever, I, it doesn't matter. So I, I quoted like 2,500 bucks or something like that. I was like this doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I <laughs> lost my mind. Like I was, I couldn't believe, I felt like I won the lottery. Like I felt rich, like just rich. Um, because at the time, like I didn't have any bills, you know, I was sharing a horrible, dumpy, cheap place with a friend and, you know, he and I didn't have to make, you know, so like two grand was like months of living. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't understand taxes at the time very well as a <laughs> self-employed person. Right. So 2,500 is really, you know, 17, right. 1800. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I definitely should have, like when I, like when I started video, I was kind of in early on a few trends. Um, and I really should have very quickly, um, turned that into a business and went to companies and said, I do, this is a service. Like mm-hmm. this is a, a real thing. And here's my team and doing all that. And instead of, I was, I was perpetually limited by what I could get done and I had to know every last thing. Mm-hmm. So that's when things go screwy, especially with video, because, you know, you've got the camera itself and then you've got like the support system around it and then you have lighting and then you have sound and then you have hair and makeup and you have, you know what I mean? You have all mm-hmm. this stuff that goes into it that if you're trying to do it all, like you're, you're juggling on a tightrope <laughs> the whole time. And if one thing goes wrong, you know, the product suffers and all that stuff. So I got very good, very quickly at understanding all the things that could go wrong because I fucked it up so many times. Hmm. Um, but if I'd have had somebody there who was like, yeah, I got sound, you know what I mean? That's one thing I didn't have to worry about. And mm-hmm. all I had to, all I would have had to care about was 
making sure the final product was kick ass. You know what I mean? Instead, I was worried about frame rates and, you know, my lighting angle and like all this stuff and doing that, you know, it's fine at the beginning when you're dealing with like low level stuff, but you're never going to get big companies who want to hire you for that because they're like, what? You're just like some random one person dude. No. So now do you work with the team or because I know you do some like freelance through an agency, correct? Is that sort of what you're doing now or how? Yeah, I work with a lot of agencies. Okay. Um, so some companies I work directly with, and then a lot of times I just freelance for agencies okay. um, to either fill in whether they need extra help because they got an extra client, or maybe they don't have somebody who can do what I can. So I'll come fill in some capabilities gaps. Um, I work with mostly big enough companies now that I'm not m- more often than not I'm not the one making anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll come in and you know. I come up with the idea or help come up with the idea and then I help produce it. Um, depending on the size of the team, sometimes I will definitely grab a camera or direct a shoot or whatever. But for the most part, like I'm, I'm the person kind of behind everything. So it's like, here's the idea, here's how the marketing system is going to work um, and all that stuff. And then it gets made. Hmm. So now you're more like casting the vision than, you know, recording the video types that sort of more the mm-hmm. coach instead of the players that sort of yeah with the big companies like mm-hmm. i still like to shoot and i still you know i i love using cameras and doing that stuff like before you called me i like i was literally i bought a course on advanced photoshop like hmm. i still learn this stuff like mm-hmm. i'm i'm interested in it and so for me like i like then turning around and making money off of that skill so i'll go to the more mid-level companies who Maybe they work with an agency, but they probably have a couple of people internally who like run their social, but aren't that good at it. Mm-hmm. Can't necessarily make anything that great. Um, and then I'll walk in and go like, hey, I can come up with a plan. I can shoot the thing. I can do it. It's going to cost you the, a tenth of what an agency is going to cost you, but I make 100% of the profit. So it's still a good deal for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can definitely make a lot of, a lot of money um, in that range. Mm-hmm. It's just um, that... I think any of these things is kind of a race to the bottom a little bit. Like if you are the person holding the camera, you're never going to make as much money as the person who's organizing the people running the cameras. Um, So organizing and selling labor is a lot more lucrative than being the labor. Um, So, and that's just, uh, just a fact, um, unfortunately, but so then are you outsourcing some of that stuff like the editing and some of that to other people then so that you have more time to focus on selling the labor? Is that sort of, uh, so no, like, so for a company like shell, like I'll come up with the idea and outline it and here's the plan and here's how it's going to work. And here's why it's a good idea and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And then they have an internal production team that can make, mm. they, they can shoot, you know, way better than I do. They used to sure. work for like BBC and discovery channel. Like, they understand production at levels that I uh, I just don't. Um, so then, you know, they don't need me to make anything. I see. And then the, the smaller companies, um, you know, some of them will have a creative team. Most of them, you know, you know, they'll have a video guy or whatever, but he's not, you know, that great. Mm-hmm. So I'll either direct or actually shoot the thing or whatever. So there's a pretty clear delineation. Like I've been thinking like maybe I should just start my own like actual company mm-hmm. um, and just go for it and do that route. But for the most part, when I'm working with the big companies, they don't, they don't need me to make anything. They have way, way better people <laughs> than I am to do that. So, and so what's, uh, what's been the, 
why haven't you started your own company? Man, I uh, dealing with employees sucks. Yeah. Um, okay. Like I've run teams and things like that, and it's kind of nice to come in and do a project, and then everybody pieces out. But when you have to like day in and day out, and I have a hard time. Like I expect people um, to be extremely self motivated mm-hmm. and and to care deeply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a lot of people just don't. You know what I mean? Right. They're they're like, I have the skill. I want to do a job. I don't really care. Uh, I I want to punch in and out and go home and not think about this. Mm-hmm. And I I'm just not that kind of person. So yeah. I have a hard time managing people who aren't insane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So for me, like for, I would have to not only hire employees, I would need to hire somebody to manage those employees because I don't yeah. want to deal with it. Um, and then you're just putting layers of overhead on top of yeah. Okay. Right. And then you're like, okay, well now instead of charging, you know, $15,000 for this video, I need to charge 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you're like, well now that those companies that I can just hit up directly, they're out of the picture. They can't afford that stuff. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, well now I have to go get the shells of the world. The problem is they have 14 agencies that they're working with already. Right. So it's a weird, it's a tough business model to crack. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I guess a couple final questions. First of all, um, film stuff. Do you have like a number, like do you have a couple favorite movies or good movies that you've either seen or that you love um, that you can think of recommend off the top of your head? Sure. Um, well, like I just watched 1917. Okay. And it was amazing. Okay. Uh, amazing. Like the guy that shot that, uh, the DP, his name's Roger Deakins. And it's just an absolute stunning, like masterpiece of filmmaking. It's just, yeah. it's incredible. Even if you don't like the movie, just if you pay attention to how they shot it, it's unbelievable. Like the logistics that it took to film that movie are unreal. Um, so that one's amazing. I like. Um, what else do I really really like? Oh, <laughs> have you ever seen the Thirteenth Warrior? Mm, I don't with think Antonio, so. With Antonio Banderas. It no. came out like in, I probably like 1998, 1999. Okay. Not a good movie. I would watch it every single time it comes on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just like, it's just like this weird, like mystic kind of video film. Um, and for some reason, I just, I just love that show. But I mean, you know, I love, you know, Better Call Saul is an incredible yeah piece of tv i mean yes. just absolutely un, unimaginably good and smart um you know the way that they do that show is incredible like mm-hmm. the, the filming is great i watch a lot of stuff i, I spent a lot of time on youtube as well were you a breaking um, so bad fan then too or oh yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. all right all right yeah that's the best tv show of all time uh, all time okay good yeah. all right yes an expert yeah. agrees with me nice okay <laughs> perfect i've been making that case for a while now i like it yeah yeah, I mean, I don't think we're in the minority on that, but um, that's a fairly safe, safe bet. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Okay. And then, as far as like uh, social media, you kind of have been talking about people don't do it right. They're not. Is there maybe a couple things you could give that would that would be helpful if people are trying to be better at social media for their small business? For their small business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, again, it comes down to the stuff that we kind of talked about earlier is you have to have a value proposition. Mm-hmm. So 
like not only for your small business, but for your small business's Instagram account. Hmm. Like, let's say you're a lawyer, right? I, why in the world would somebody follow you on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Like, why? And but, but but be honest about it. Don't be like, well, you know, we're fast. No, you're not. You're not interesting. Mm -hmm. People need you at the worst point in their life. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they fucking hate you the rest of their life. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, it's like. So you have to have a value proposition not only for your business, but for the actual platform itself. Hmm. And it's going to be different from Instagram versus YouTube. Those are different things. Mm -hmm. And the way that you approach them are different things. Hmm. So it's like this idea that, well, I, you know, I just need to be everywhere. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. Because for most businesses, they could shut their social media off tomorrow and it would make no difference. Mm -hmm. None. None. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, for me, I always tell people it's better to do nothing because it's cheaper than doing something poorly. <laughs> hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, don't do sure. anything unless you can be good at it. Um, and the platforms and how they work, you know, they're all different. Although the algorithms now they're, they're aligning somewhat in the idea that the only thing they really care about is how much time you spend on their site right. and that you feel, and that you feel good about the experience. Mm -hmm. That's why people are shrieking about censorship. It's, it's not about censorship. It's about how, when somebody spends 45 minutes watching YouTube, I don't want them to walk away feeling icky. Mm -hmm. So even if it's, even if it's content that they're interested in, if it leaves them feeling kind of icky, they're not, they're going to stop showing it to you because they want it to be not only a long experience, they want it to be a positive one. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, these things where people go like, well, I'm just going to, you know, like if I post on Facebook all the time and I'm driving people to my website constantly, Facebook's going to go, I'm just not going to show this to people anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> because you're not keeping them on Facebook. You have to serve two masters. You have to serve the platform and you have to serve an audience. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. That's hard to do. It takes a lot of work. Um, so for most people, it's just going to come down to look, rather than hiring somebody to run your Instagram account that absolutely nobody's going to care about and is never going to get you one dime of business, just run Facebook ads. Just it, it, and the other thing is that, like people have to understand the difference between like a social campaign and running an ad on social media. Yeah. <laughs> Those are extremely, extremely different things. Well, and so yeah, so if if you were to say, okay, well, don't hire someone to run your your social media, just run Facebook ads. But how would you have someone outsource the creatives? Like have someone design the ads for them, or yeah, I mean, if you're going to pay somebody, mm -hmm. pay somebody to do that because okay. at least you can track it. You can you can measure ROI. You can mm -hmm. measure your return on your ad spend. Mm -hmm. Like it, it breaks down into like a reasonable thing that you can at least make smart decisions about moving forward. Mm -hmm. Hiring somebody to run your Instagram account, if you're a law firm, is utterly stupid. Like mm -hmm. unless you have some genius new thing, like, I've, like there, there are lawyers on YouTube that are amazing because they break down like the biggest cases in the news and they explain it legally and they do the, you know, it's like, wow, that's fascinating. I, you know, hmm. that I understand, mm -hmm. but to, you know, if you're a, if you, if you make CAD drawings all day because you're an engineer and you're going to post that to Instagram, like there better be a really good reason. And the yeah. problem is you're going to, you're going to attract other engineers who are never going to hire you. They just mm -hmm. like, it. <laughs> hmm. so, so it's like, you have to understand why you're on the thing, what the goals are and then how you're going to accomplish that. Um, so with that CAD model, if they were just trying to monetize off of views, then maybe that would be okay, right? Uh, if they were just no. drawing other engineers to their page. No, because I mean, let's no. let's say like YouTube is the only, like you don't you know you don't get paid for views on Instagram, but like on right. YouTube, 
you know, you can earn money through ad revenue. Like I, like I make money off of, off of YouTube. I had a video um, a couple of months ago that has, let's see, I'll look it up. Um, a hundred and almost 140,000 views. Hmm. How much money do you think I made on that? A couple hundred bucks. Almost. Yeah. That is not a business. That's not a business. Model. Yeah, that's not gonna. That's not getting it done. <laughs> like, congratulations. That's cool. Uh, don't don't do that. That's not a business model. Yeah. Um, but if you were an engineer on YouTube who sold a course on how to be a freelance engineer, mm-hmm. n- now you're talking. Mm-hmm. Like now that now you're gonna make money. Or in my case, like I made a a video about an amp simulator software. Um, I put an affiliate link in the description and that video has uh almost 3000 views and i've made more money off of that video than i did on the video with 140,000 views. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Cuz i did you did kind of break those down too. You were talking about affiliate marketing in that Sunday video. Is that thing shareable? <laughs> I was trying to share it because i thought it was i mean i thought anybody that's interested in that has a small business that wants to start a small business or is running like a, anybody that's really kind of in the business sphere. I thought, man, this has some really good stuff in it, but there was no way to share it. And so unless they're no. friends with you on Facebook, they're screwed. Yeah. They're screwed. Kind Fuck of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Too bad. They, yeah, so they should be them. They should have been friends with smarter people. It's yep. not my problem. It's true. <laughs> it's true. All right, cool. Well, usually I ask people like, where can people find you? But you like kind of exist in some places, right? I mean, I have an Instagram account. Um, I deleted my main one like a few months ago. Okay. Um, and that, you know, that had like a few thousand followers or something. Like it wasn't a big account or whatever, but I just got bored of it. Um, so I deleted it. And then I have one now that I use primarily to try and get free guitars. Um, okay. So it's not like a, you know. And then I have my Facebook. I have my YouTube channel. But again, that's just about guitars. Nobody cares. Um, sometimes I post stuff on LinkedIn about like, you know, how does YouTube work? And I have, um, I haven't done it in the last couple of weeks just because it felt like with everything going on, like I didn't want to post a video about like the YouTube algorithm because who cares? Yeah. Um, but I had started a show called YouTube Tuesdays, um, on LinkedIn and it just Mm. breaks down like, how does YouTube actually work? Cause it, it's not how most people think. So, um, I do some of that, but honestly, like that's not, I don't. I don't get clients that way. Yeah. Like I either, I either refer, you know, get referrals or I just reach out to companies directly. Like I'm really good at finding like people's like personal email addresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just email them um, and just go, Hey, and you know, I'm a decent writer. So I get a, a decent response. I get ignored more than I, you know, don't, but mm-hmm. I do, I do okay that way. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and when you go and pitch these businesses, do you have, like a portfolio, do you have things that you bring and show them or like link stuff like, Hey, check this out. And this, like, how, is that part of your pitch when you do it or no? Um, so it depends. So if I'm, if I'm going after a company where I think I'm going to do the work, mm-hmm. um, I will show them stuff that I have made, uh, like for sure. So like I have my site, like just michaelrichardson.com, mm-hmm. but most of the, most of the stuff on it is hidden. So, mm-hmm. Like I will, like, let's say it's, um, I don't know, like what's a business like impact Newberg. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go, I'm going to pitch impact Newberg on a video or a social campaign about whatever. So I'll just 
you know, Michael Richardson slash Impact Newberg, and I just build them a page, mm. and I go, here's the idea, here are a bunch of visuals, this is sort of what it would look like, here's what I'm thinking in terms of how it would work, um, blah, 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 and, you know, if this is interesting to you, you know, let's talk. Hmm. Um, that can be pretty simple. Sometimes I'll do that. Um, sometimes with bigger companies, you know, I, I reach out to them just with a very short email and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, here are my capabilities, here's a list of clients that I've worked with, you know, if you are struggling, here, here's a good one that I do all the time. I say, if I could help you achieve, fill in the blank, uh, without pain point, uh, would that be of interest to you? So for me, I can go like, you know, for example, like, hey, if I could help you grow your YouTube channel, you know, by 10,000 subscribers over the next six months without you having to pay an agency millions of dollars to do that, is that something you'd be interested in? So I try to have a very extremely clear value proposition in the email. I do not write to people and go like, hey, I do a bunch of stuff. If you need some creative work, let me know. Mm-hmm. They're they're out. They don't they they can't process that. They're mm-hmm. not gonna they're not gonna do work. Don't ask people to do work. Right. So I will go like, hi, I'm a social campaign strategist and I can do XYZ if you need below, you know what I mean? Like I'm very specific about it. Um so I do that whole thing like, hey, if I could film a video for you that got you, you know, 50 more clients this this year at a fraction of the cost of what an agency would charge you, is that something you'd be interested in? Um, so it's it's super clear. It's definitely a pitch. And I keep it very, very short. And then I go like, here are the clients that I've worked with. And I'm out. So I keep it super short. And I try to, again, clickbait. I just try to make them as intrigued as possible. Um, and if they if that's the thing they need, they'll reach out. And if not, they don't. And do you have like a formula? Because I mean, I would be terrified if I said, "Hey, I'll grow your YouTube subscribers ten thousand the next six months." Do you have a formula for being? I mean, can you? If someone said yes, we want that, could you guarantee you could do that? Uh, yeah. If I said that, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't do the whole like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna you know make you famous or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, what I can do, you know, so for like that specific example, like I've definitely done that with companies where I was like because that's a super easy win. Like if it's a company that's highly visual and I can think of a million stories off the top of my head that would be amazing on film, mm. I can I can go like, I can grow your YouTube channel, no problem whatsoever, I can do that. Um, you know, if it's somebody, you know, these bigger companies, you know, they measure growth by fractions of a percent. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I go, hey, what if I could increase your retention by, you know, half of a percentage point, you know, how much would that be worth to you? And a lot of times it's millions of dollars a year. Right. So that, that interests them, you know, I mean, they don't care about their YouTube channel. Um, so it just depends on the target that I'm going for and, you know, what do I think they really need? And so sometimes, you know, I will go to a company and not necessarily like promise them a specific result. I will promise them or at least allude to some type of outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, you know, I can go, Hey, I, I do product video, you know, any company that I've worked with when they put product video, that I've made on their sales page, it increases their conversions by double digits. Is that something you'd be interested in? That they care about. They don't care about, hey, I can make your product look rad in a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. They go, okay, what's that got to do with me, man? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You go, oh, well, what if it helps you sell, you know, 15% more every time somebody gets to your page? And then they go, oh, I care about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, again, the value prop. I get it. Okay, I'm getting Mm -hmm. the, I'm, I'm learning here. (laughs) 
Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, I want to, I honestly feel like I kind of need to digest some of that and then probably have you back on in a couple of months. That was awesome. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to pitch, plug, talk about, say, before we end up end here? I was going to ask you, have you been following all this stuff that's going on? Like the coronavirus or the George Floyd stuff or? Yeah, all, all of it. What do you think? Uh, boy, it's, you know, it's. The coronavirus thing is weird. It's everything is now politicized, you know, and you can blame social media and all this stuff. I don't I don't necessarily I kind of agree with Gary Vee. And I think that social media more exposes us than shapes us. But, um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a weird thing being a minority myself. You know, I haven't really talked much about how I felt about the George Floyd thing because I don't really feel like I can be rational. It, it's I I have an emotional response to it regardless, and it clouds like any rational arguments I would make about it. So why would you need to be rational? Like that that fucking cop sat on that dude's neck for almost nine minutes. Yeah, I mean I like yeah. No, go ahead. There is no there's no like who needs to be rational about that. Like, I think that guy should be hanged in public, like for real. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. I'm saying like the overall, because then it became a political issue, right? Like this idea of police brutality and is it, you know, um, and it's hard because I have seen, you know, I've, I've been profiled by cops before and I've, you know, I've had that stuff happen. Never, no, nothing, nothing even close to what, but I mean, I've felt the like, the hint of racism in my interactions with certain police officers. So it was, it was upsetting right off the bat. And, you know, I had another friend of mine call me and he was like going over the stats and how, you know, there's just as many white people dying as black people. And it's, I didn't, I didn't care. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) but I think there's too much reaction happening on, on in life now in society that it's, it's, we, we don't think through things at all. We just kind of react to them. And I don't want to be that way and I don't want to feed into that more. So that's why, you know, when I say that I, I haven't been able to rationally wrap my head around it in a way that I want to share about it. So I have just kind of not because I know that I'm reacting to it and I don't want to feed more into. And I'm not saying the protesters are. I'm just saying that I don't want to be my voice. I know is not clear right now and I don't want to be. I don't know. I just don't want to be another reactionary voice shouting into yeah. the, nothing. What do you think? I mean, where are you at with all well, this? I guess, like, I guess my question is, is like, what makes someone not a racist? Yeah, I don't know. I well, mean, that's the thing. Like, people go like, don't be racist, don't be racist. And I go, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe, like, I get that I'm a white person. Mm-hmm. And most of the people in my life that I've interacted with have been white. Mm-hmm. But I've been back and forth across this country, I don't even know how many times. I've been up and down it, you know. I don't even know how many times like this whole idea of like, well, it comes down to a lot of things that I'll maybe we can get into. We don't have to talk about this. We don't want to, mm-hmm. but no, good. like, I, like, I think, um, like no one has said, everyone's saying, don't be racist, but no one has told me what that means. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to not be a racist? And I think the reason that we don't answer that question is because of what it comes down to is that you would describe most people. Mm-hmm. Most, I don't think most people are racist. Yeah, I agree. And so, like, there, like, let's be obvious. Like, of course, there are racist pieces of shit that exist. Like, one hundred percent that exists. But most people aren't. And I think it, for me, it turns into this giant collectivist nonsense argument where people go like, 
if you don't, as a white person, stop and think about the black experience in America, that's why George Floyd died. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, a racist piece of shit cop murdered him while other fucking cops stared at that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that the idea, like, I don't think that the way we get rid of systemic violence is to create a bigger system. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on. Like, my neighbor is not my enemy. Right. My senate, my senator is. Yeah. My the fucking bank down the road is. Mm-hmm. Like you're burning down the wrong buildings. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to drag people out and beat the shit out of them and burn down their buildings, go do it to the IRS, not the people working at Wendy's. Mm-hmm. I like agree. I think it's this weird. It's this weird. This notion that we have to participate in the emotional lives of everyone around us at all times. And it makes people hate each other mm-hmm. because it's not sustainable. It's not even necessary. Like mm-hmm. I have no idea what it means to be from a pygmy tribe in the jungle. If I saw one, I wouldn't walk up and start being racist because I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this idea of like, well, if you don't know that whole person's story and their racial past and their ancestors, then you can't not be a racist. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What what are you talking about? (laughs) It's frustrating to me, too, because we're reducing this complex problem to like, oh, we need more police training. It's like, no, no. You know, there's no single solution to what's happening. And it's hard because, you know, did you see the great hack that I I talked about this on the pod before, but the Netflix documentary about um, you would I think you would be into it. It's the one of the heads of Cambridge Analytica is, is kind of pulling back the curtain on what happened, how they were using the tactics to basically get Trump elected. But um, it's it's fascinating, you know, you know, just some of the things she talks about, how data is the most valuable commodity and all this. Anyway, it was but she talked about how there are forces, you know, on social media now that like Russian forces or whatever that are seeking to divide the country. And and, you know, I think Trump is doing a good job of that. A bunch of the politicians are. And it's hard, it's weird. Like society is so fragmented and tribal and fractured that every issue, you know, it's like, okay, well, we think you should wear masks because of the coronavirus. Like, well, I shouldn't have to wear masks. My constitutional rights. Like, yeah, dumb shit. We just don't want you to die, you know. But I don't know if that's even true. Like, I'm not sure if that will save you or not. I'm not really sure, you know. But it's like, like, I mean, here, here in Massachusetts, like the average. COVID death, the age of it is higher than the average age of just regular death. Right. So then you're like, well, I don't know. Like, is the government, I don't know. People are like, oh, the government's lying to you. Like, I, maybe, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, of course they are. They, yeah. Those fucks, they don't let a good crisis go to waste. It's the same reason terrorists knock down two buildings in New York and all of a sudden that means they get to wiretap everybody's phone. You're yes. Like, Wait, what in right. the fuck? And it's never temporary. It's, it's never temporary. That's why. It's that whole thing about like, you know, whether, however you feel about socialism, like the fact is, is that people vote their way into it and then you have to shoot your way out. Right. Because they don't give, they don't give up anything. And so for me, I go like, stop. Like I 100, I, those protesters, I support them 100%. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you have not only the right, but the obligation to kill anyone who wants to oppress you. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm totally on board with that stuff. I also think that if someone tries to break into your house or burn your business down, that you can shoot that person and not feel bad about it. Yeah, I like, agree. So we get into these weird things where I'm like, why is this a race war? Most people, I, I genuinely don't think are racist. Mm-hmm. Like people are, people are ignorant. 
and they make bad decisions, but we try to, we focus on like, for example, like I went to a Halloween party once and a white friend of mine dressed up like Flava Flav and he painted his skin brown mm-hmm. and, you know, did the whole thing and he took a bunch of heat for it and he was like, but I, I honestly love Flava Flav. Like he's one of my favorite rappers of all time. Like I love, I love Flava Flav. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, was that the best decision? No, de- definitely not. But now do you go like forever? That guy is a racist. Right. Like the dude like, from dude, Bon Appetit his, that got fired, his, you know, this yeah. week for a photo from the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that was a poor choice. But like, if I was going to be reduced down to my one worst decision of my life, mm-hmm. I would be a shit bag too. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think where the whole social media thing comes into play is that it's like, you know, whatever Gary Vee says, okay, fine. But at the same point, it's like, it's made us all these rabid psychopaths who want to pin the worst thing anyone's ever done on them and then ruin their life for it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, like there's a difference between racism and ignorance or making one bad choice or, and I get it. Like I would never personally put on blackface. I would, I would have never, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Is it because you know, I think that it's like 100% wrong all the time. No, not really. But I get why people would be super pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I lived with that Native American tribe, like, you know, there's all this, these, you know, people, you know, can you dress up as a Native American for Halloween? Mm-hmm. And I was talking about it one day. I was like, man, that seems really insulting to take somebody's culture and turn it into blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of sitting there and they're staring at me. And this one lady, I'll never forget it. She goes, well, how nice of you to be so offended for us. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, don't, doesn't that bother you? They're like, we don't, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Like who, why, who cares? Some white chick wants to like dress up in a headdress. It's stupid, mm-hmm. but like, who, who cares? You know what I mean? So it's like, honestly, I think most of this stuff is just like bored white chicks on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, so, so I, I keep always coming back to like, what does it mean to not be a racist? Can someone answer that question? And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an idiot white guy who's deeply racist. I don't know. But like, mm-hmm. I keep going like, I just, I don't, I don't feel like this is a race war. I feel like it is being manipulated as a way. The only people making out from this are politicians and the media. Yeah, That's it. They're both getting stronger and that scares me a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much to it too, because I, it, it police, being a police officer is a, is a difficult job. You, you deal with, the shittiest part of the population all the time, yeah. you know, and you know, I don't, but it's like they, one, they're asked to do way too many things. Yes. yes. Like way too many things. Like it's ridiculous that they get called on all kinds of different stuff. Like mm-hmm. I don't want a cop showing up to like be a mental health counselor. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And, but at the same time, like none of, none of them should have a tank. Right. Like, the whole defund the police thing, I'm 100% on board with if it means getting rid of their fucking tanks mm-hmm. and, you know, all their, like, with the tip of the spear. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. No, you're fucking not, dude. You're, like, some dude who probably didn't have anything else to do after high school and you like wearing a badge, so you signed up to be a fucking cop. Great. There are a lot of good cops, 100%. There are a lot of shitty ones. The problem mm-hmm. is, like, anyone whose job is to hide behind bushes and give people fines, like, that, <laughs> you... That is not about anything other than revenue and control. Yeah. So like, don't, I'm not going to hero worship the thin blue line. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. give me a fucking break. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that they have a hard job for sure. Right. 
they're asked to do way too much stuff. They don't get the proper training. Like there's, like you said, there's so many things that go into this stuff and it just gets reduced down to this one slogan that is true 1% of the time. And you're like, okay, well, here we are. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you can't, you can't be, I support black lives matter. And I think cops have a hard job. It's like at this point in society, you have to choose your side, you know? Yeah. And it's like, wait, what, what happened to being able to like, look at these things rationally. That's why I didn't want to comment on it because I didn't feel like I had anything to add that was like, not just, you know, super upset and, clouded with emotion so it's like but most of the time when i look at things i'm like okay well how do we how do we solve this like what's the answer that's why i liked andrew yang as uh you know i didn't care about the ubi i just like the fact that he was looking at data and trying to make decisions based off the data you know instead of you know being orrin hatch asking zuckerberg how facebook makes money when it's free you know i i was like oh shit at least someone's looking at the data they're looking at something and saying hey here's the oncoming people are eventually not going to have jobs so how are we going to handle that you know it's like well look someone's actually looking ahead looking at data and making decisions versus whatever else every other politician does but i think you know there's funny because that's exactly why i was like fuck that guy who andrew yang (laughs) why because people said the same thing about computers. They're going to put everybody in business. Yeah. They're screwed. And, like there's never been more jobs in the world. And to me, the idea that some team of bureaucrats in a city far away are going to determine what kind of jobs there are in 20 years is mm-hmm. insane. Like that is to me. And you know what I mean? It's like, I get like, I think he was sincere a hundred percent. Like and he was trying to solve a problem, but I always like, I'm like, okay, the government's not good at anything. Right. They're, they're bad at literally everything other than violence. That's the only thing they're the best at. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why in the world are we going to farm out? And I think that this is, you know, we've we've sort of sacrificed our ability to critically think because now yes. we just root for we just root for teams. Yes. That guy has the D after his name, so like he's yes. on my team. Yes. Or that chick has the elephant, so I'm you know I'm on board. Right. And you're like. Nobody, nobody makes decisions based on like values and philosophy anymore. They base it on, is that person on my team? And that's why three months from now, you'll be rooting for something that you were just unconsciously objected to because your team said it and now it's fine. Right. And it's like, oh my God, stop, stop. Like we have to have principles of these things. And for me, it's like the principle is that government sucks at everything. So we should get rid of as much of it as we possibly can all the time because they're terrible at it. You're basically Ron Swanson. Yeah. So, you know, Andrew Yang comes along and I go, Hey man, you seem cool. You're my worst fucking nightmare. Mm -hmm. I hope you never get elected, but you're probably a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And like you and I having this talk right now, like I'm a white guy. So, you know what I mean? And we're having a a conversation where it's like, look, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be you. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. And you have no idea what it's like to be me. Right. But that, I don't know why that matters. Yeah. No, I agree. Like I can still, I can still, but I think people like we're not, abnormal like i think people have these conversations all the time and they're good and they're productive Mm -hmm. they just don't fucking sell clicks on cnn right so that's not what gets shared and it's like you guys i don't think my neighbor's my enemy Mm -hmm. like i don't think the people working at wendy's or target are my enemy i think the fucking congresswoman in my state is my enemy i think Mm -hmm. the president is my enemy i think the fucking irs is my enemy Mm -hmm. like I just I keep coming back to this thing where it's like it is it is systems and does it favor white people? Yeah, because white people 
run most of it. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, is that it's like, I have worked really hard to be mildly successful. So I'm like terrible at white privilege. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I suck at it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I keep, it's these things where it's like, man, I get it. There is, there is systemized oppression. There is systemized mm-hmm. violence. And the answer is not more system. Right. Well, and the problem is that the systems are so big now and they're fractured. You know what I mean? They're all, the legal system sucks. Education system sucks. I mean, there's problems in all of these healthcare system. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, what's the, where do you even start? You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's the thing. They've made it so that there's not one person you just go shoot at and you fix mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like now they have, because it's gotten so big, it's like, well, now my neighbor works for the government. So what does that mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, under normal circumstances, that person's not my enemy. Here's the problem. Their salary comes from the government pointing a gun at me and saying, if you don't pay your taxes, we're going to come steal your stuff. And if you resist, we'll kill you. Right. So now you go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> and the problem is that it's become the fingers have spread so far into everything that it's like, if you revolt against the government, now you're revolting against your fellow citizen. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, how do we now, now what do we do? And like, that's a hard, that's a hard place to be. And that's why you don't let it get this big, but we did. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, like I, I keep thinking about the fact that when George Washington was elected, there was a million and a half people in the United yeah. States, you know, <laughs> hey. and now there's 300 million. So it's like, there's going to be some natural divides and people aren't going to see, you know, exactly eye to eye, but you know, we're managing so much of a, it's like, we're still using democracy 1.0, you know, we've had yeah. no software upgrades at all. And so, yeah, this is what's going to happen. You know I mean? It's, I don't but know. It's like, I mean, I mean, they called it back. I mean, Ben Franklin literally said, the day people find out that they can vote themselves money, your country's over. Mm-hmm. It, your country's over. And like, it, that's exactly what's happened. And it's like, it's funny. I was watching, you know, that whole, like the autonomous zone in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's all set up. Yeah. Like I was, I was dying laughing because it's like, it's Seattle. So of course there are four open borders. Yes. You know, they hate ICE. They want all that stuff. Right. And the first thing they do is enact borders and ban certain people from coming in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, okay. I mean, I guess that's irony. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's so, it cracks me up. And I, I 100% support their right to set up like some type of anarchist paradise if they want to mm-hmm. give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, as long as it's for me, it's like, as long as it's voluntary. Right. And if we're going to, and if we're going to believe in consent, then it can't just be when people have sex. Consent right. matters 100% of the time. And if you're, if you're only, if the only way you can get people to consent to something is by pointing guns at them, mm-hmm. you have a terrible idea. Right. It's a bad idea. It's immoral. It's yeah. wrong. And unfortunately, that's how most of our stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I like marketing, because if I get somebody to buy something, it was voluntary. I don't hate <laughs> I don't I don't hate Jeff Bezos. If I don't we could put Amazon out of business tomorrow in a second. We just don't buy anything anymore. Yeah. But if I if I want a different government, like they point guns at you. So right. it's like I, I, I don't want to I don't want to break up Amazon. I want to break up you fucks that are violent (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean 
uh, now you're now you're like Unabomber land. Like, what's the you know? How do you do that without being this crazy fringe? You know, because even if you say you were famous and you were making these kind of statements, the government would work to marginalize you and make you look like you're crazy. You know, I mean, if you yeah. look at Ted Kaczynski's manifesto, a lot of what he was talking about makes sense. That technology was going to be something that hinders people's ability to critically think, and that we would be you know become dependent on stuff. And so, I mean, he was pushing back on the fact that we needed to continue to think and it's like, well, those aren't crazy ideas the way he executed it. Well, that was crazy. But I mean, the idea itself, the ideas itself weren't all really all that radical. No. And I, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I always have to be careful, but like, I'm not opposed to violence. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes violence really is the answer. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're founded on the idea of, Hey, fuck those people. Shoot them all. Right. Right. Uh, I obviously don't want that. Nobody wants that. Right. But I think like I did like did you watch Dave Chappelle's new I did. A forty six was really good. Yeah, it's amazing. And at the end he goes like, Look, this is the last chance for civil discourse. And after this it's rat a tat 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 tat. And it's like, look, if you back people into a corner and you say, You're not getting out, I don't care what you say or how peaceful or how right you feel you are, mm-hmm. we have guns, then you know what? It is your responsibility to start murdering everybody with guns because even Jefferson said, he's like, look, you got to shoot those people. Mm-hmm. Like he said it more eloquently than I did, but you know, the right. whole blood of liberty needs to be refreshed with tyrants and all that stuff. Like you can't always just go like, Hey, I, I have a better idea. And I think we should live like this. So mm-hmm. all you people in power who are corrupt psychopaths just need to step down and they go, Oh, okay. Yeah. That seems reasonable. Like, no. And the idea of voting, give me a break. You're just going to vote. You're just substituting players for the same game. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't change anything. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know how you get out of it. But um, I know we could. I mean, I, I think I was so optimistic about the internet when it came out because I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is when we get to freely share ideas and everything's going to become voluntary. I mean, I was, you know, wild-eyed idiot. But I was mm-hmm. like, Yes. Now I can do business with the people that I want to. I can avoid the people that I want to. I get to make decisions based on the quality of ideas rather than somebody forcing me to do something. And there's no way that these middlemen pieces of shit are going to survive this revolution. And instead they harnessed it and mm-hmm. turned it against us. Yeah. And like that's been you know wildly, wildly disappointing. But the, the, the potential is still there. We could all tomorrow go, enough, you're done. Mm-hmm. you don't you don't get there's way more of us than there are of them and as many shitty cops as there are i still think a lot of them would not violate the constitution in a sort of radical way i think the military would be mostly on our side mm-hmm. so like i think you literally could tomorrow just go like you're all done everybody leave, everybody leave congress leave the white house you're all resigning you can do it peacefully or we're going to drag into the gulag what do you want mm-hmm. it's not so, going to but. yeah and that's the hard thing is like there is strength in numbers but there's also the problem of organizing those numbers because a lot of those numbers i mean until some you know like Chappelle was talking about in that thing the critical mass point you know but it's like have i mean how many times what how many things need to happen before we hit that critical mass i mean the majority of people i think as long as their own personal lives are not really impacted by whatever's happening they're not they don't really care you know like you were saying they don't care yeah. that other people exist really yeah so i mean most most of the people living here weren't for the revolution right and it's tough because you're like well we could all you know band together strength numbers but i mean a lot of those numbers are dead weight you know so yeah, right. 
I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's hard. True. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard, and smarter people than me are going to have. I've actually thought about running for office, mm-hmm. um, just because I think politicians should wear body cams more than police. <laughs> okay. And I think that every single meeting with a lobbyist should be live streamed. Hmm. Like every single one. If so, if you're sitting down to do government work, it should be live streamed. Hmm. Um, I think we live in the internet age and it's like, there's no reason why if voting really matters, then I should be able to vote on how my money gets spent, not just how it gets taken from me. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing now, like with the internet, like all of that stuff, I mean, the antiquated systems we have in place, like it seems like, yeah, why can't we, why can't they say, Hey, we're thinking about allocating this much resources to this. Like let's vote. Or is it going to be a public vote on this? You know what I mean? Like representative government, government should, sense. should be government. Shouldn't be any harder than Tinder. Yeah. You get an alert. Hey, we're thinking about uh, spending $50 million to go blow up these brown people. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Swipe. No, no, fuck you. I mm-hmm. want it to go to art or education or whatever. Right. Like, I should have a say. If you're going to take my money, I should get to say where it goes and not, you know, just be like, well, I guess they're going to go bomb people or they're going to arm police to the fucking teeth right. and shoot black dudes in the street. Like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and representative government made sense back when it took three weeks to get information from one side of the country to the other, but it, this really doesn't it's not necessary anymore yeah i mean so. i can just i know everything and but again the government sucks at literally everything mm-hmm. so that's why they can't figure out how to fucking vote online like it's not hard when it's not good for them like it wouldn't be good for <laughs> any politicians like the the it's better for them to not have to people not be interested have them not engaged because well, if they're I mean, engaged it, and paying attention then they're going to be upset at what's at the lack of whatever anything happening there yeah, I mean, I think it, it benefits Democrats more than Republicans to have everybody being able to vote. Sure, And so, sure. you know, they fight against it um, for various reasons. Um, but, you know, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I think, like I said, smarter people than me are going to have to figure it out. But I just know that this is insane, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's it's such a weird especially like on the back of, you know, all these memes about all the stuff that's going on in 2020. I heard, I saw a meme saying, why would you introduce the murder hornets as a plot and then plot hole and then just not even come back to them if they don't matter? Well, it's like, yeah. there's so much stuff that's been going on. It's like, oh man, it's just, yeah, and it's, they got that. They got the game of Thrones season eight treatment. They're just, yeah. Right. Out. Yeah. They just they, too quick. They were out of there too quick. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but you're right. Like, joke all jokes aside it is like super stressful like just to see i don't know i mean you walk out and some people are pissed you're wearing a mask or they're pissed you're not wearing a mask and i mean then they're mad you're not at the black lives matter rally and but you know you should really be at the thin blue i mean it's just there's just too much right now it's crazy so yeah it's nuts man Anyway, sorry, I, de- I derailed your podcast. No, that was good. That. that was good. I mean, we need to talk about it. And honestly, I just haven't really talked about it because, like I said, I mean, I was just too emotional about it. And I knew, like, when I was talking to my buddy who was giving me all these stats about, I was just, like, pissed. I was like, okay, I'm not, I don't want to hear anything. I'm just saying, I don't care if you have statistics. Like, because that's the other thing about statistics is, like, they can be co opted for, like, whoever, like, you could have the same stat and make it, apply for two different sides of the same argument mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i mean so it's like it's tough because i do think it was good that you know andrew yang was looking at data and trying to solve problems but 
part of the problem with having all this access to data is that there people are still really shitty at interpreting what that data is actually saying. Well, and like, no offense to your friend, but what a moronic thing to put forth as evidence for your side is that, no, look at these nice people. They kill my race just as much. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, they're still murdering tons of people. Do right. you not see that that's the problem? Right. And it's like, why is that evidence for your side? Like, that's so unbelievably stupid. And yeah. like, you know, people do the whole, the all lives matter. And I'm always like, I have seen no evidence that that's true. None. <laughs> so not only is it stupid to say in the moment, but it's just patently false. <laughs> yes. True. Very true. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's a crazy time. And I, like I said, with the, with the police stuff, I just haven't really wanted, I actually tried to get, uh, there was a viral video or a viral picture of the police chief from Santa Cruz, and I had a connection, somebody that knew him, and I thought he was going to be on the pod, but then I don't know what happened. I don't know if, you know, they were. Well, I don't, um, this was in 2013. I started a podcast called The Status Quo Overthrow. Okay. Do you remember that? I don't no. know if you knew me then. Anyways, my first episode, I got a, a, a Portland police officer as my first guest. Okay. And he had he had killed somebody with a taser. Oh, wow. And like, we talked about like, are cops racist? You know, what do cops really do? Are you there just to protect rich people's property? Like, what is it like when you run into like a black guy on the street? How is that different than when you see a white guy doing the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. Like it made the, it made the news, like the one week, like did, our, <laughs> oh, wow. did, did an article on it. And like, I was just doing some, you know, just, I wanted to have conversations with people. I didn't think it was that, yeah. this big of a deal, but somehow it ended up getting to like some attorney who represents, he's like a defense attorney, and then he sent it somewhere, and then they sent it to the Willamette Week, and then it ended up in the Portland Mercury, and all of a sudden it's like on these news sites, and I knew this guy, he was like a super nice dude, and he like, he goes, man, he's like, can you take that down? Like, now like my police chief is like asking me about it, and like all this stuff, and I was like, no, I'm not taking it down, like that sucks for you, you shouldn't have said all that stuff if that was a problem, but like, (laughs) um, it was crazy, and it was a fascinating conversation, because he was like super... And he's Asian, but he was like, he was super honest. He was like, look, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes like, I'm going to go kill a black guy today. Like nobody does that. Mm -hmm. He's like, but he's like, you're usually in different parts of town and you're a little bit more stressed out and sometimes things go wrong. And so he's like, the way you interact with people, it, it sucks, but it's like, it does change depending on like your perception of them on their color of their skin. And he was just like super open about it. It was such a fascinating conversation. Um, but yeah, it was it was nuts. Hmm. Is he still an officer? No. Um, I think he ended up. I think he ended up going to like a private security firm or something. Huh. I don't remember. I don't remember. But you should repost the episode then. It's relevant to what's going on right now. But yeah, I don't even know where it's at. To be honest, I'd have to All try right. to find it. Did you stop the the pod because it didn't have the right value prop, or? Uh, no, I had. Um, I think I started that about the same time I was working at Nike, okay. and then the whole jujitsu thing blew up, and I just was so busy it was hard to like get people booked and do all that stuff. And yeah, that's uh, super. That's why I was like, you were like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, how easy is this? Most of the time, it's like, oh, well, let me see. I'll get back to you. So I oh. appreciate that you were accommodating. I know what it's. Else. I know what it's like to be the guy asking. Yeah. Um, so it's always like, man, I always try to. I try to say yes as often, you know, as I can. Well, I appreciate it. It was very easy. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. 
Cool. Anything else? Sorry. I, that was good, though. I was, I'm was. i glad we talked about that. That was something that I've been, I don't know, I've just been hesitant to talk about because, like I said, I'm just still yeah. I'm pretty emotional about it. But I guess yeah. Chappelle, like that 846 was phenomenal. And he was, oh. you could tell, obviously felt very emotional about it, too. So maybe I need to not be so worried about sharing. But, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's a genius. I love him. Oh my gosh, amazing! It was crazy too because it wasn't like he wasn't like it wasn't a stand-up comedy routine. Like he was like teaching people. Like he was just breaking it down. I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, well, he's he's George Carlin of our time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, only I think smarter, but like he's he's sort of transcended the idea of like you have to make me laugh. He's like he's a philosopher who Mm -hmm. can just like make me think about things in totally new ways. Um, and I'll, like, I, like I almost, I didn't, I didn't post it, but I made a video. So, you know, when everybody's doing the black square on mm-hmm. Instagram and all that mm-hmm. stuff, um, I was like, this is, I get it, but I'm not doing that. That seems stupid. This isn't going to change anything. So what I did was I edited <clears throat> or I started to edit a video and it was eight minutes and 46 seconds long. Mm. Um, and it was just a black screen. And it was like, this is how long that dude, sat on his neck um just sit through this for eight minutes and 46 seconds and know that that's how long it took to kill somebody um i didn't post it but then when he you know that his special 846 i was just like oh my god this like it just i don't know i feel like he made me um experience it in kind of a new way yeah that was just so brilliant and i was like i mean i was already you know upset and annoyed but mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm completely separated from it because mm-hmm. I'm a white guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't, I don't necessarily have the same reaction because it doesn't feel like I'm being assaulted when I watch that video. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's different for me. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not disgusted by it or whatever. But it's like I don't I don't see myself in it as as much as like say Dave Chappelle sees himself when he watches another guy get gunned down by the police or whatever. Like, right. But the but the way he was able to bring it to life, like he's such a powerful storyteller. I was like, man, yeah. this is incredible. When it was it was such an ironic part of the story that the guy that pulls him over and lets him off for being Dave Chappelle then the next day kills kills that kid. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. Who knows, man? It's hard times for the country. I for hope sure. um I ho- I don't know. I hope we come out of this. I I'm worried, but yeah, me too. And it sucks having a kid. Like I have yeah. a daughter. Yeah, I can't imagine a young and daughter like, too. I mean, and it's like, man, do I? You know, would I rather just it all go to hell now and duke it out, or or do I just because I don't want this to turn into some like Mad Max fucking future yeah. for her? Yeah, Terminator, Skynet happening. Yeah, I mean. And at some point, like my ancestors at one point went, you know what? We're leaving everything and we're going to go to this new place. And God knows what it's going to take other than a shit ton of work. And my life has been immeasurably better because those people 200 years ago did the unthinkable. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, do I need to start making that kind of decision? Because, you know, like, what the fuck? Like, I got a kid and, you know, now I'm going to have grandkids at some point all this shit that i never thought i was have you know mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like well now my place in all of this feels way different because you know i could be like fuck it if stuff, stuff starts popping off i'll grab a gun and shoot at the next politician i see you know what i mean but mm-hmm. it's like now you're like wait i got a kid 
do we go somewhere? Like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> So you're hoping that Elon Musk can colonize Mars ASAP? No, fuck Mars, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. Where are you trying to go? No. Earth is rad. Yeah, like, no, it is. Earth is amazing. But, but I don't even know where to go, to be honest. I, I feel know. like this this crazy overreach and you know digital war that we're really in, mm-hmm. um, it's everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Well, on that positive note... <laughs> <laughs> No, it is a good thing. Uh, hope you liked our podcast on marketing. You're all going to hell. Thank you. Good night. You're about to realize that they're going to die. It changes your life. All right. Well, yeah, man, I really appreciate you being on. And uh, like I said, I wouldn't mind if you'd be down to come on in a couple couple months and visit some of this. Maybe I'll have a better value prop for my pod at that point. And you won't have to say no. You failed already. You're like, oh, all right. Then, uh, then you won't need me if it's a if it's a good podcast. I'll probably won't be very valuable. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. But anyway, all right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Have a good one. See ya. Later.